Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to share topics and guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take you, your business, and your life to the next level. Today, my guest is William Glass. Let me just tell you a little bit about William. He is the CEO and co-founder of Ostrich. We're going to find out where that name comes from came from, and host of the Silicon Valley podcast, or Silicon Alley podcast. Silicon Alley, yes. <laughs> Silicon Alley. That kind of rolls off your tongue, kind of nice. Silicon Alley, to, uh, yes. His mission is to improve global financial well-being. And Ostrich mobile app addresses financial literacy deficits by creating game-like social community and accountability around money. The key is tackling the emotional side of money and creating strong money habits. So please welcome my guest today, William Glass. Thanks, William. (laughs) Excited to be here. Appreciate the warm intro. Yes. So happy to have you. And I always open with some easy questions. The, The easy question is, what part of the country do you call home right now? So I currently am living in Queens, New York, but uh, I'm originally from Alabama, grew up there, went to school in Florida, spent a year in Thailand teaching English through the State Department, lived in Florida again for, for a little while, and then finally have landed up here. So a lot of places have been home, but currently it's, uh, it's Queens, New York. Uh, yes, uh, definitely different than Thailand, definitely different, although they do Hong Kongs quite a lot in Thailand, <laughs> but uh, definitely different than Alabama and probably Florida. That uh, New York is, is definitely a different vibe, but talk to me about how you got started going from teaching English to where you are now. Absolutely. So when I graduated college, so I, I studied international relations. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I knew that I wanted to do when I graduate was I wanted to spend at least six months to a year outside of the country. And my rationale, I'm not really sure why this was in my head, but it was <laughs> I just want to make sure that if all goes to hell in the United States, I would be able to live somewhere abroad and be able to survive and and go through that experience. So I'm not really sure why that was my mindset, but I was like, if I can make it in some other country across the world in a place where I don't speak the language, like, I think I'll be, I think I'll be fine in life. Um, So that was, that was really the the reason um, that I, that I ended up in Thailand and taught English and was lucky enough to, to be selected to do a Fulbright scholarship. 
Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's where the English teaching comes into play. And then, you know, education now is actually a big part of what we do at Ostrich as well and what I do today, but um, and kind of has been an underlying underlying theme. But yeah, really, really, that's the that's the connection to the English teaching. So we'll go to Ostrich. How did you come up with that name? Is there some significance to it or you just thought it was a cool thing? Or is it because people put their head in the sand whenever they do money situations? <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've, you've kind of, you kind of you hit the nail on the head there at the end. Um, I guess to give like a, a little bit more context mm -hmm. after teaching English, I ended up in software sales and that's where I was in Florida again and led some sales teams down there and got exposed to technology. So I worked with executives at um, startups that were trying to sell their technology to large companies and um, ended up moving up to New York to work for a client. And during that time, some of the experience that I had in um, Thailand, as well as in, um, as well as just kind of growing up, um, I, I realized that there was this, this kind of disconnect when it came to money and finances, there's all these sharper tools and there's so much education and content. You can Google and get anything that you want to know about finances, but we're not moving the needle. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where the name ostrich comes from is um, my co-founder and I were really struggling to find a good name for the company. We were at a, a friend's birthday party in, in Brooklyn and trying to come up with names. We knew we were going to start this company and we were on GoDaddy, you know, Googling every terrible url combination <laughs> fin lit that fin fit that and we're like oh these are all so bad and they're all taken surprisingly um <laughs> and eventually i looked up and um my co-founder andrew holiday he happened to have on like a button-down shirt that had little tiny ostriches all over it and so just jokingly i threw out the name oh let's call it ostrich and we laughed and then we stopped for a second we're like wait actually that's kind of perfect <laughs> yeah. we're trying to help people pull their head out of the sand as you said mm -hmm. vicky like yeah people don't want to talk about finances we want people to build a large nest egg and in the root of the word it's ostrich we want people to live a rich life ah so good <laughs> that's perfect so you started the company when um so we started we kind of came up with the idea in 2019, started doing some customer research talking, but it wasn't until the pandemic, really March of 2020, when we started building. Um, so yeah, so that's when we started. And then there's been all kinds of phases. We used no code tools to build the app originally, and then finally found developers. And it's been a, it's been a process and uh, yeah, I've, have, have, uh, have had a lot of success over the last, you know, six or seven months. I feel like it's really starting to take off, but um, yeah, we started, we started with the idea in 2019, but 2020, March 2020 was when we really started building. Wow. So our theme really for today is social impact. And is, is that kind of the basis why you wanted to start this company because of you wanted to make an impact? Yeah, absolutely, Vicki. I think, you know, there's a kind of a saying that you, that you hear when it comes to entrepreneurship, like solve... If you solve a bigger problem, you know, it's going to be worth more to the world, to society, but also from, you know, monetary perspective, right? If you can go solve some of the big problems that we have, um, you know, that affect our, our world. And, you know, for me, I grew up and, and my parents got divorced because of money. They didn't have a common way to communicate. They didn't have a common language. And in 2008, like a lot of families, um, it was just too much on their relationship. And, you know, that really affected me 
And I got really interested in personal finance. I started to consume a lot of content, read books, follow people, um, use all the different FinTech app and tools. And still I felt like there was something missing. Like mm -hmm. Robinhood was great. It made, you know, zero commission trading, but like at the end of the day, it was all optimizing for trading stocks, which isn't necessarily what's gonna impact people's mm -hmm. financial lives and what mm -hmm. people care about. Um, and so that's where like the, the mission and, and part of the way we've developed our business is to really align our success with the success of the people that use the app. Um, and so that's kind of where that social impact comes from and wanting to build a business that, uh, that can solve a problem and looking at things from a different perspective. So who are your typical clients for this? Yeah. So Ostrich, yeah. So Ostrich is a financial fitness app. Um, we have customers all over, all over in terms of age, but, um, really we designed it for young professionals, college students, people that are just starting out, mm -hmm. um, and just starting out can be very broad because some people start out a lot later in life, um, which is another conversation, uh, but ultimately people that just need that accountability and, and really just like a, a, a guide, someone in their corner to push them to have success. So we use group groups of people working towards goals together to mm -hmm. help people um, focus on the behaviors that will lead to success. So we're not trying to link every bank account. We're not trying to replace anything that's out there. We're really filling the gap of somebody that's there saying, hey, Vicky, I want you to go achieve your dreams of buying that dream house and mm -hmm. retiring with your family and being able to spend the time that you want. And we're gonna help you get there and we're gonna put you in a group of other people that also have those same goals so that you can work together and achieve goals together. And so that's- Somewhat of an accountability. It is, exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with like um, either Noom or Strava or Peloton, mm -hmm. it's a lot of those same dynamics that's worked well in the fitness industry. Like we know Correct. that when you have right. that gamified, you've got other people that you're working towards mm -hmm. and there's you know positive reinforcement, you're more likely to achieve goals. So why aren't we doing that in finance? Right. And it's also supportive to know you're not alone because oftentimes, we don't make financial decisions because we don't have anybody to tell us, am I crazy to do this? Or does it make sense? And, and who do you trust, you know, type of thing. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Trust is a, trust is a big, a big issue. And then also you, you only see such a small sliver of what your friends and family do, right? Mm -hmm. People don't really share everything they're doing. So you might see somebody make a decision to go, you know, go and I, I'm using Robin Hood just because we've already talked mm -hmm. about it, but like go buy GameStop and all that stuff that happened um, happened last year. Mm -hmm. But like you don't know what their financial situation is. If that's all the money that they have, that's very different than they've built up this really large portfolio and they're taking a small percentage and it's kind of a yeah. fun thing to be a part of. Those right. are two very different situations, but we only see such a small sliver. Um, mm -hmm. And so to your point, like not only who do you trust, but who's also in a similar situation to you and can right. actually, you know, figure out what's good for you because not everyone's in the same financial um, playing field. So in these groups, do you mix? the criteria of your audience so that you have some people that are more like mentoring or is it everybody's at the same level playing field in that group and so everybody's kind of learning as they go or you know what how does that work yeah so we what we do is we focus on using challenges and challenges um 
are a, a set length of time um, and they have a regular check in. It could be daily, weekly, or monthly, depending mm. on what the goal is. And so we just focus on the top one, two, three things that you care about right now. So you might be in different groups, depending on if you're trying to pay down uh. debt or if you're focused on saving or you just like, you know, tend to spend too much on Amazon, that one click uh, buy, you know, really gets you. Um, and so that's how we group people is based on like what's important to you. And then within that, you can see people that have already completed the challenge that are further along, but also folks that are, you know, there with you. One thing that we've done intentionally is not show numbers, right? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's not what's important. It's like the, the progress to goal. So we use mm -hmm. the game mechanics as well to still give that layer of privacy. Um, but also that means that we can have people that are trying to save $50 a month with someone that's trying to save 500. Mm -hmm. And they can both feel good when they're making progress versus feeling like, oh, I'm behind if I'm at the 50 or like, you know, trying to remove some of those shame elements or just other comparisons that are not necessarily positive. So in the entrepreneur world that you and I are in, there, you know, there's cost associated with getting going. The saying, you don't have to, to make money, you have to spend money. Is there any guidance that this, in the gamified situation, it gives to those people, you know, to, to folks like us? Yeah, so we definitely want to support entrepreneurs. And part of that is obviously getting your finances in order, because to your point, usually when you start a company, you don't get revenue day one. <laughs> There's a lot of expenses or outflows or just takes time to build your business. Um, so, you know, my co-founder and I wouldn't be where we are. We haven't paid ourselves since we started the company. So, you know, <laughs> we're, you know, we're really focused, but the reason we're in this position is because we made good financial decisions five, 10 years ago that set us up to be in a position where we could, you know, take this risk and invest. So absolutely, um, you know, helping people even before they start companies um, is really, really important. And then, you know, within that, uh, we don't have these built out yet, but we've got on our roadmap to really go deep into, you know, entrepreneurship and here's a pathway and, and here's mm -hmm. the things that you need to do to set up your business. Right now, you know, we're still, we're still relatively early. So we haven't gotten super niche down into various different communities, but it's definitely on the roadmap um, to continue to support very specific communities like entrepreneurs and we've authors and authors we've got coaches. yeah we've we've actually believe it or not i mentioned that our target demo was younger but we've partnered mm -hmm. with aarp they're a strategic investor in <laughs> ostrich and so they've got a really specific interest in you know certain demographic of recently divorced women and like managing finances for the first time if mm -hmm. if that wasn't a responsibility in a marriage so like there's all these really interesting um groups and communities mm -hmm. that we have the opportunity to serve um but we're not we're not quite there yet to go that deep <laughs> Yes, companies like for me, when I retired in 2018, um, I had I, I turned 60, so I was going to retire anyway, but I just as a benefit, uh, they actually had a package because they were getting rid of, you know, three or 4,000 people. So uh, that great resignation that everybody has been talking about, that adds a whole group of people that could probably use guidance and, and advice because they decided they don't want to be in corporate anymore, but they need a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is sort of that um, 
kind of chicken and the egg situation. Absolutely. And, you know, Vicki, I'm curious, what, like, you know, one of the questions that I like to ask and always understand is, and especially as an entrepreneur, I know this changes, but I'm, I'm curious what your relationship with money is and like how you would describe that and, you know, it's, how you think about things. So it's, it's um, a love hate re relationship often. <laughs> um, you know, right now we're in love with each other, but you know, there, as I said, uh, I've been married 44 years now and, uh, so it, it's always been an experience. And I came from a family who weren't great with money, so didn't have a lot of good guidance. And then my husband's family was good with money. And so that um, you know, kind of helped me change some of the things that I unlearned some of the things <laughs> that I learned. But I, I have I have really um a lot of appreciation for people who um, don't need everything right now. You know, it's like where I live, I'm happy here. Um, I'm not always looking to up where I am. And I think that's kind of what I've tried to teach my kids is, you know, don't leave, don't live beyond your means. And, um, and so, you know, I think right now, I could go into the hate relationship because of <laughs> starting, I started the, my businesses last September. So um, if the inflation and the, the market does some bad things, I could, I could be um, wanting a divorce maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, no, <laughs> yeah. <my> money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but you know, I just, I, I don't um, stress over it uh, too much. And I think that I just look for opportunities to keep solvent. And, you know, sometimes that's challenging, but I just keep doing what I do. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to keep focused on things that are important and building the businesses. And that's fantastic that you, you know, have been able to uh, adapt because I know there's, there's research out there. And this is one of the, the reasons why we've at Ostrich, we really focused on the behavioral side and the action mm. side. How do we encourage action is that um, financial literacy moves, moves the needle less than 1% in terms of people taking action. So just because you know something doesn't mean you take action. Like we all know how to go get six pack abs, right? Mm. Eat healthy, work out consistently. And eventually, you know, it'll, it'll pay off if you do that over and over and over again. Um, but most of us don't have six pack abs, myself included, because mm -hmm. we don't do that. Right. So, um, I think that's something that's really an interesting insight and like in actually, I think in Georgia, right. Didn't they just pass the law for financial literacy is being our requirement for high school. I think they followed Florida just did mm -hmm. it. Um, and it's fantastic. It's a move in the right direction, but there's still like that action piece that I think is really important that we, that we also focus on. Yeah, I do training for middle school, high school kids in public speaking, which is, you know, what I do. And the, the great thing is in the, especially in the Gwinnett County area of Georgia, they, they teach financial literacy in their classes and entrepreneurship. And I love that. I, I volunteer as a mentor always for it because I love that they're teaching the kids to not be afraid of, of starting their own business, to be creative, but then to how to do it right and to be uh, not a slave to the money, 
but to understand, you know, what's going in, what's coming out and all that. So um, I, I think that's a great thing. And maybe that's an additional thing that you can do as an ostrich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> you said that you worked um, in, at a market research company in New York. What did that experience teach you to be able to start this new business of your own? Yeah, so the company I worked for was a, they're an AI software company that's in the market research space. So they essentially, it was called Remesh and they essentially created um, a software that combines like focus groups, like the, you know, the deep insights you can get from a focus group and from like a one-on-one -on -one conversation mm -hmm. with the quantitative data that you get from a survey. So like, some really cool AI um, that's involved there. And so I was brought on to help open up their consulting vertical because the company that I worked for prior was essentially a consulting firm. Um, and so I was focused on building that out. And it was a startup, um, early stage startup that had raised a series A, so mm. had had some success, but this was a new sales vertical. And uh, it was interesting because it's just a completely different sale than the core customers, which were mm -hmm. marketing agencies that they worked with. Um, so like creating all kinds of collateral from scratch, talking to potential buyers and really trying to understand like, why, why would they buy? Why, why would a <laughs> consulting company purchase this? Cause you know, there's so many different potential use cases, but like that was really interesting and doing that deep customer research, um, was really, really valuable. And then also just, I think one of the things that the company did was had a really great culture. It was the first, you know, move from a corporate environment to a startup. And it is really interesting being able to, you know, walk across the office and go see what the product team was doing, go see what the developers were doing, the engineers, and never had that exposure before. Getting to go to lunch with those folks, with the customer success team, and like essentially just learning all facets of the business. And I think that was really, really insightful. Um, and helpful when you know applying that to ostrich of thinking like how do we create a culture that fosters this community mm -hmm. um, and then also just had a better understanding of like what does what do engineers care about what does the customer success team care about what uh, what should you be focused on when you're building out HR for the first time and you've got you know this team that's growing um, so we learned a lot of like little pieces about kind of how to run and build a company um, that I think are really, really valuable. And I actually had a conversation with um, the, the co-founder, um, Gary, he's their COO, Gary Ellis, um, yesterday. So, you mm -hmm. know, got to catch up with him and he's still kind of giving me advice on my journey. So awesome. it's been really great to have that community. Because um, as you know, Vicky, it's really, it can be really lonely <laughs> building, a, building a business, right? It's really, really lonely. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that you don't, uh, you don't necessarily, don't necessarily know going into it. And that's the whole beauty of JV partnerships, you know, the joint ventures, because it's all the same people walking the same path, uh, you know, different focuses, different markets, but, you know, they're going through the same thing you are. And so you don't have to be alone. And I think if people remember that, that, that having a community is, is really important as an entrepreneur. It's a game. I mean, it's a game changer. Mm -hmm. We, I didn't have that until recently and the pandemic didn't help. So, <laughs> no. you know, it was hard to do that over zoom and everybody was zoomed out. So, uh, uh, yeah. you know, I, I was in the corporate world over 
well, 40 years. And, and, and it kind of strikes me funny, the zoomed out, because I remember us complaining about being in meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting in person. So I don't think it's really Zoom. I think it's just being in meeting after meeting after meeting in person <laughs> that we don't like. You know, and, and that's, I think, one of the draws for people that want to be um, financially free, if you will, is, you know, you might not want a gazillion dollars so you can buy yachts and all this, but you just want to have enough that you can do what you want to do and not have to be at meetings after meetings after meetings after meetings. <laughs> exactly. It's, it reminds me of the, what's that, the the meme or the thing that's going around, like this meeting should have, could have been an email, right? Oh, that, yeah, that yeah, that's, that's right. Exactly, that's the but, feeling. When you were talking just a moment ago, it, it made me um, really, as, as my career, I was a project manager for large projects and multi-year. And I got to do everything that you just described as a project manager, that's what I had to do. I had to learn every aspect of whatever touched that what I was doing. And it was almost all the different groups and departments, including HR and, and being able to stand up a team and keep them motivated for multi-years. So all the things that you were describing, um, a true project leader, <laughs> project manager does all those things. And that's why it was so easy for me to go into this career because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah, you're used to it. Lucky you. Yeah, I, yeah, I had to learn all this stuff from, yeah. from scratch yeah. for the most part. I've been reading books on product management and project management mm -hmm. and HR, how to hire and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Which I always need to also touch on is process management. Because whenever you, you're getting a new idea, the best thing to start when you're gathering information is to understand the process that's in place now. And then as you go through that painstakingly, for some people they think, and I think it's kind of cool because it's like taking you on this journey, but going through that process from start to finish, it identifies opportunities as well as gaps. So if you're a business owner, you wanna know where are those gaps that I can fix and where are these hidden gems of opportunities that I didn't know I had because I didn't understand fully what the process that we had in place were. Yeah. So that's something that we literally went through and fixed last week with our, well, yeah. really this week with our, our product development cycle. So mm -hmm. um, this is something that's a, a really good tidbit I, that I think the audience would, would like is um, I, I, you, you started using something and I still, I kind of took this from somebody else from like a different, so it's not my idea originally, but using an <laughs> internal, can't take credit. Um, using an internal like net promoter score. So if you're if you're familiar with the net promoter mm -hmm. score, it's like that question you always get zero out of ten. Like how likely are you to recommend mm -hmm. this product? So I do I run this now at the end of all of our team meetings and any like specialty one off ones. And I send that along with um, like if there's different sections mm -hmm. of of the of the meeting announcements, you know, whatever individual updates, open forum. How would you rate those? And then give a few different prompts on like what could use improvement. What did you learn today? Mm -hmm. And off the back of that, like have been able to streamline and improve our team meetings. Like in, awesome. it's insane because you finally have a place where where people can actually, you know, give that feedback and 
followed up individually with everyone on the team of like, okay, like talk to me more about this. You rated this really low. Like, why wasn't this effective for you? Mm -hmm. And like, it usually, it wasn't like super low. It's not like we got twos or threes on that, but it was like, it's a seven and everything else was a nine or 10. Mm -hmm. So like, why? And that's been really interesting from process perspective. It led us to roll out this whole new piece of software that we use that now brings in our developers. It brings in the executive team, brings in our designer, and it now has everything that we all need in one place. And it's all linked up in a way that we just weren't doing before. And it wasn't, it just wasn't effective. Our meetings were going so long because we didn't have this communication. So to your point, the process is really, really important. And I definitely encourage anyone to like do an internal like feedback survey. That's like kind of mandatory to get done within 24 hours of a meeting. Um, but it also just like, it's been helping our culture as long as you use the data, obviously don't go ask people well, to steal stuff out for no reason. You know, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. You build trust, you know, we talk about social impact here, but but building trust and likability isn't just, you know, on the in, uh, Instagram and, and Facebook. It is in your community, in your office. And the more that they say something's broke and you address it and fix it and recognize them and appreciate them for doing that, the more they'll be apt to go again and continue to give you their feedback. But if you don't act on they're telling you that it's broke, if you if you don't want to recognize that, then then they'll shut down. So absolutely. Yeah. You, the worst thing is to get apathy, right? You don't want oh, apathy God, within yes. the organization. Yeah. But I think one of our one of our core values. So we went through and did a values exercise. And one of our core values is practice what we preach. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking and, you know, telling people and focusing on financial well-being and wellness, we want our employees to embody that. So we've put that in our processes. We've got um, systems where we're paying employees on a more regularly basis than any other company. You know, we, for if usually if you're on a salary, it's usually twice a month and mm -hmm. we were going to weekly and we're even exploring ways that we can pay people as they earn it day by day. Um, and we're looking into all these things and they're small things that mm -hmm. don't really, like they wouldn't necessarily move the needle, but when you stack them on top, um, they become really powerful and it just shows that we we care like i don't want anyone showing up to work stressed because that's the problem we're trying to solve for our <laughs> for our our user base and if we're not doing that ourselves how can we expect anyone to to you know really get that value from a customer perspective so i think that's something that has been really impactful and definitely still working on it far from perfect far far from perfect but that's really when you're thinking about finances too the simple compounding effect of doing those small things to improve your financial situation. They might not look like, oh, you know, I, I, I just need a check for $10,000 to take care of this credit card. But, you know, okay, but you don't have $10,000 and you don't have any way right now to get $10,000. So what small things can you do compounded over time that will get rid of that for you and eliminate that stress. So exactly. That. Yeah, it all adds up. Compounding yep. is yep. real and yes, really powerful. It is. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we're going to go to the rapid questions, five questions, five words or phrases. And from those, you just, top of your mind, just give me some feedback. So when I say investing, what comes to mind? Uh, I would say two things. One is get a baseline. 
So like investing, the stuff that people do a lot of is, I mentioned GameStop, that's the flashy stuff you hear people that buy crazy NFTs and crypto and it goes to the moon. Like that's not investing. So like get a baseline, do the boring stuff first, and then you can, you know, with a little bit left over, once you're in a good spot, you can have some fun um, <laughs> if that's fun to you. Uh, I think the other piece is that investing is also like spending money on things that bring value and joy to your life. You talked about this a couple episodes ago um, as well, but I think that that's really important is yeah. that if I could tell, like you could be in credit card debt right now and you, and or something or whatever it is, any, just name your piece of debt and you get a, you, you find out that your dad has a diagnosis of cancer and you could either go spend $500 to pay off that credit card, or you could go spend time with your dad for the last time. Every day of the week, you go spend money with your father. Mm -hmm. Like it's not even a question. Right. It doesn't matter. That's not the smart financial decision. It's the right emotional life decision. Mm -hmm. um, so when I think of investing, I think of spending money towards your values as well. So mm -hmm. there's that's the side that we talked about, but I think the values, which is actually really, really powerful and why I partially asked you that question, Vicki, of like, mm -hmm. what's your relationship with money? Yep. And then the, the next is whenever you are looking out at things like your app or other, there's tools to the wazoo. How do you find the right one for you? What would be a couple tips you would give? Yeah, so definitely look at like fees. Um, I think that's something that, that a lot of apps out there, like we are, we're free. We're free to the end user. That's really important for, mm -hmm. for us. Um, but I think look at fees. I would also figure out what do you actually want to accomplish or need, right? Because to your point, there's so many different tools out there. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you can, you can utilize, but figure out like what works for you. If you love seeing all the numbers in one place, then go use an aggregation app. If you want somebody to automate everything, go use an automation, like go look for the automation. Um, but I would just say like focus on the there's a lot of really great products out there that don't cost you any money. And I would focus mm -hmm. on those. <clears throat> when you were just talking, it, it made me think of, um, there's a company that I use for assessments called Magpie. I wondered if your app ha does any assessments that, you know, they could take a quiz or a real quick assessment to say, okay, well, this is really based on the way I answered this, this is where I should be or what I should do. Yeah, so we've actually we're actually rolling this out, and it's probably a couple of releases away. But uh, we've got a get a head out of the sand challenge, and that's uh, a, a survey that helps you kind of gives you a score of like where you are financially and a few different things that you can do to move that needle. So think of like a credit score, but like way better than a credit score, and something that you can actually take action on and improve. So we've yeah. absolutely that's on our roadmap. <laughs> so whenever you get that done, you come back on and we'll talk all, all half hour about that. That's awesome. So this is an easy one. You have told us you've been to Thailand, to Florida, Alabama. Where else in the world would you like to be tomorrow? Well, I, I would, I'd say Thailand, but I think that's kind of a cop out. I did. So when I lived, when I worked there, I worked at a rural high school in the middle of sugarcane fields and rice paddies. It wasn't in like Bangkok and or the beaches or anything like that. I was in the middle of nowhere. It was really hot. Um, and I, there was only one male teacher under the age of 55 at that school. And so, you know, I was early twenties and got really, really close to him. And it's been 
gosh, I don't know, almost 10 years now. And I, we still face each time each other yeah. on birthdays. I send him Christmas gifts. We send each other birthday presents. And so I actually, my, my birthday was uh, a few days ago. Oh, and so I birthday. got to, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And so I got the chance to talk to him. So that's definitely up there. Otherwise I would, I would say Samoa, I spent wow. a semester there and um, very similar, have a connection to that really rural middle of mm -hmm. nowhere island in the South Pacific that almost no one's going to go to. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. All right. Silicon Alley podcast. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So it's uh, it's an ode to um, obviously you hear Silicon Valley, but in the 90s when the New York tech scene was considered Silicon Alley, it ran from the Flatiron Building, the one that's like shaped like a triangle that you always see mm -hmm. pictures of, mm -hmm. to um, Union Square. And that was where all the tech was in New York. Now it's obviously everywhere, every oh, borough. Mm -hmm. It's like that in every part of part of the world, even, in, you know, in, in, uh, in Georgia, it's all over mm -hmm. as well. Um, so it's an ode to that, but it's just about entrepreneurship. I started it because I was lonely as an entrepreneur. I wanted to talk to other people that were going <laughs> through it. I wanted to talk to investors to figure out what they, what they were looking for. I, I wanted to talk to other experts in these areas that I wasn't sufficient in from a, from a, a skills perspective. Um, and so that's really what the podcast is. It's just conversations similar to, to what we're having, Vicki, where awesome. we dive in deep to different topics and hear stories from people that are on their journey. I've had entrepreneurs that have now closed down their businesses that were on the podcast. Like, so like people that have yeah. had successes, Martin Babnick, who is the chairman of Trinet, which is a $10 billion publicly traded company. So like everything, something for, for <laughs> most everyone. So super. All right. So we want to be able to give them something, get a gift of some sort, and you have a download of something. Yeah. So ostrich today. Ostr well, ostrich is ostrich is free. So mm -hmm. that, that is, that's free. Um, Silicon and how Alley. do they download that? Yeah. You can go to getostrich.me and that will direct you to the correct app store. If you're on a desktop, it'll take you mm -hmm. to a screen to download it. And if you want to just learn more before signing up, then go to getostrich.com. So G E T O I S T R I C H. So dot me will take you to the app and dot com will take you to the website. Perfect. So definitely check that out. Any last advice? Oh, I know what I didn't ask you. And I always ask people, you're what, 18 or something. Uh, <laughs> what would you tell someone who is just getting out of college? What so advice? I just, I just turned 30 just to clarify. So yeah, yes, I've, right. I've now crossed that threshold. Um. <laughs> so, but what would you tell somebody just getting out of college? And they didn't do like I did and go to college at 50. They, they're 22, 23 <laughs> years old. What would well, I think, I think my, I think, I mean, again, I, I don't know, right. With age, but like, I, I think, I think my answer would be the same to anyone. It's, it's like, follow your interest. And if you can align, you know, your work with your interest even better, but if not like what you're doing now, Vicki, of having this podcast, you're getting to connect with people from all different walks of lives, learn different things. You're building awareness in the space you're building a reputation people follow and, and care what you have to say in the conversations that you're having and you can do that with anything that you care about if it's knitting like yeah. go deep into the knitting world go go to a meetup go to meetups go find yeah. read all the books on it what whatever whatever that thing is for you follow it it could end up leading to a business or it could lead to wonderful friendships and passion and i think that's something that uh 
that when you're first coming out of college, you're really focused on like, I'm on my own for the first time. And uh, it becomes harder to make friends as you get older in age. And that's a great way to be able to make friends. Unless you get a podcast and then you get new friends every day. <laughs> exactly. And that's the hack, right? Get a that's podcast. exactly right. Get a podcast. <laughs> well, it has been wonderful talking with you again. We will uh, share a screen after this um, late when this is recorded to show you all of his contact information. But again, his website is go ahead and give that one more time. Get it's ostrich, get, get ostrich.com. And if mm -hmm. you want to email me, I'm happy to answer anything. It's William at get ostrich.com. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, those are the places I'm most active from a business so perspective. So on LinkedIn, Twitter, is it William Glass that they look up or Get Ostrich or Ostrich? How do they find you? Um, so if they want to find the company, it's always T-H-E Ostrich app. The Ostrich the app is the... Very, that's is, the new thing that you have to have the in front of your name. <laughs> well, the, all, someone took all the other better handles as part of it is the reason. Um, or if you want to connect with me, Twitter, I mean, you can type in William Glass and Ostrich, those three words, and I will pop up. There are a lot Perfect. of William Glasses out there, but when you put Ostrich in there, I'm the only one. <laughs> awesome. So remember, when you're looking for him, put William Glass Ostrich. And if he could stand up a little bit, he could show you his shirt. Oh, yeah, I do have the shirt. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> All right. It was a wonderful uh, time speak spending with you. And I uh, do want to see you again whenever you get that additional uh, assessment or that app out there or that extra piece to your app out there. But uh, thanks so much for spending time with me. And as always, please remember life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nethling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.